everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis on this lovely, in quotes, weekend here in D.C. Uh, before the show starts, I, I just I had a thought when we were driving in, so you need to give me five sentences. They say Foodie and the Beast, you think of a foodie, and maybe some people think of somebody that just goes out and, you know, with her pinky raised, has fine wines and eats in, you know, the finest restaurants and all that, and a, sort of an effete, impudent foodie. Mm-hmm. A real foodie is my wife. Because last <laughs> night we had nothing in the fridge. She made a meal that blew me out of my. So it was just chicken. It was freaking chicken, but it was so good. And I, I you know, I wanted to give you props because. Thank you. Oh my God. If, what does he want? I, this is not normal. Oh, Look I, at Andy. Andy's like, geez. I pretty much get what I want, but I. <laughs> But, but that's because I'm easy. <laughs> so easy. But um, how do we get five kids? Anyway? Well, I don't know. But my point is that you you made a meal last night out of nothing. It was well, magic. And it was so good. And I think you should put the recipe online. OK, well, I'm not going to do that. But you better. Uh, I do appreciate uh, I do appreciate that. So thank you. Okay. Um, I do love to cook. And I don't think that that qualifies me as a foodie. It's just a passion that I love to do. It's just another... Um, but I am also passionate about the D.C. food and wine scene. So I just want to direct everybody's attention before we get into the show. Uh, first of all, you should follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter uh, for everything going on in the D.C. metro area. Um, and also on the list are you want it.com, especially right now, if you're planning for Christmas, you're planning for New Year's, you're planning for the Feast of Seven Fish, everything that's happening, um, activations, et cetera, it's all on the list are you on it.com. We keep it super clean and simple with easy links so you can just get your tickets or get your reservations uh, and enjoy the holiday season with your family. Set okay. de pêche, seven fishes. Okay, get Okay, fish. anyways, mm-hmm. we, got a, we have a really interesting show today. First, we're, of course, we're going to be talking to Deb Moser from Central Farm Markets. We're talking about plants. We're talking about plants. Uh, uh. Whatever. I'm so excited. Uh, our drink segment's going to be great. You know, Cranes is the, the it's really the restaurant in Sake Lounge in Penn Quarter these days, uh, where you get kind of the, uh, the fusion of, uh, it's, wait, Spanish and Japanese He cuisines. hasn't been, but I can't I've been, wait. and it's no, fantastic. No, but I know about it. Right? <laughs> okay. I, I know about it. I don't get taken anywhere. No, but uh, Eric Stewart Woodruff is with us. He's the SOM at Cranes, and we're going to talk about their sake mm. program and mm-hmm. an upcoming event where he thinks he invented the name. It's called Sake to me, but I came up with that. Thank you. <laughs> All right. You want to cook like Jacques Pepin? I, actually, I walked in our bedroom about three weeks ago, and Nikki was interviewing Chef Jacques on the line. Mm-hmm. And um, now we've got Raleigh Wesson, who's the co-founder and executive director of the Jacques Pepin. I can't, am I saying it right? Yes, Pepin. Foundation. Come Pepin. on. Uh, foundation. Uh, he's going to be on. There's a new online course that will really give people the inside skinny on how uh, Chef Jacques does his thing, mm-hmm. uh, which looks interesting. Atusa Ardalan is the managing partner at Noosh Restaurant, one of only three Persian restaurants in D.C. It's how brand is that new. Possible? We're so excited. It's brand new, and she's here, and she can't wait to get on the microphone. Look at she's, <laughs> she's quivering with anticipation. And Lawrence Cisneros is co-founder of Drinksmith. Uh, these are cold-pressed cocktails uh, that combine spirits and tinctures and bitters and liqueurs with fresh fruit juices, but they come, you know, bottled and ready to go, mm-hmm. and that'll be really interesting. But mm-hmm. first, Debbie Moser from Central Farm Markets. So, Deb, I'm so excited. We're going to talk about 
plants. Um, I um, had a black thumb for almost my entire life till about four or five years ago. Yeah, now our house looks like it takes me four hours to looks order like a Tarzan all the plants movie. in my oh. house. It's unreal. So tell me about plants at the market. Well, this time of year, we have some just beautiful plants. Each one of our markets has um, one or two plant vendors. And they this time of year, you can get things from wreaths to poinsettias to everything to decorate your house and make it look lovely for the holidays. Mm-hmm. And if you want something special, go up to them. They all design and say, I need a centerpiece. I need some bouquets for around the house. I need a bouquet to take to a friend's house for a gift. And they will help you, and uh, it's just wonderful, and it brings such color into the house. Well, I agree with that, and I think that's such a good idea. I think people forget when they're at the farmer's market that your vendors are purveyors in other capacities other than just being at the market so that you can communicate with them and say, hey, I do need a centerpiece or, hey, I need bouquets or things of that nature, and really talk to the vendors about how they work when they're not at the market and, you know, things that they can provide, right? Exactly, exactly. One of of my favorite vendors um, in terms of unusual plants is called Celestial Bonsai. And he yeah, we've seen those. Those are great. Those are gorgeous. Yeah, they're they great. Are, they make great presents. They are wonderful. We have several in the house, and we're, we watched one, a little red maple, and its leaves turned red and fell off, you know, and now it's dormant for the winter. Mm-hmm. So if you want an unusual gift, Celestial Bonsai is your best bet. Great idea. Uh, but just all the plants, the greenery, the flowers, it just makes you feel so happy, especially on a dreary gray day. You're yeah. assuming we're not happy already, but that's okay. Well, I, I, well, actually, <laughs> shush. I really think that, um, I mean, plants have totally changed the feel of my house. I mean, there's so much greenery. I've always brought in fresh cut flowers. I really, it just means a lot to me to have that in the house. So um, I love the idea of giving it flowers and plants. I think plants as gifts make so much sense because it, it lasts so much longer. Do you know what I mean? And they, they really don't require, especially in the winter, that much care. Um, You know, unless you have like, they bring a big smile to everybody's face. I can tell you, I see people walking out with arms loaded with plants and flowers and bonsais and it just people are happy. It, it's almost like having a pet. I'm sorry. It is they exactly make everybody like happy unless you're the one schlepping the huge potted palm into the kitchen for my <laughs> wife to, to water put water in. Well, that's it's your job. It depends on which <laughs> part of the green job, thumb David. you're thumbing. So. I am good. I am a good my thumb is very good at directing where you should go. I with can things. tell you where that's her thumb right. is right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, on that note. Oh, it's a family show. Never Deb, mind. Give us the website, yeah. please, so everybody can find where to okay. order for the holidays at Central Farm Markets. Centralfarmmarkets.com. You'll find everything you need there. Contact us if we can help you with anything. You got it. But contact your flower and plant vendors for all those special items. Excellent. Thanks, Deb. We'll talk to you next week. All right. So now, take care, care, Deb. Now we're going to turn to Eric Stewart Woodruff, who is going to, he has committed to making me like sake because I have trouble with it. Wait. Oh, I'm firmly committed to this. Okay. But I think so it's, wait, wait, wait. But wait. I think I want to introduce something that you don't really know. Wait, wait, can we introduce Cranes first? Yes, we can. That? Just hold on a second. So Eric is really interesting because he is the Psalm at Cranes, which is an incredible restaurant in Penn Quarter mm-hmm. uh, that does uh, a, a 
a fusion of cuisines. But what's interesting is that you are not a sake expert, but sake has suddenly turned you on. So you are going down this like rabbit hole of sake. What was it about sake that you were like, ooh, this is good? So I think it's the it's the cultural shift. Now I come from a wine background. Okay. Um, I gave wine tours for many years, and I used to tell people all the time. Where? I'm, I was at District Winery. Oh, and great I, nice. I, yep, I, uh, I ran their uh, wine education program and uh, wrote their tour script. That's why good you for a good long while. Okay, maybe. Go um, ahead. And uh, I used to tell people all the time, I'm living proof that you can go from not knowing what to buy at the grocery store to only working for winemakers in about six weeks. So I, uh, I very much quickly fell into wine, and now I've fallen into sake, and it has opened up my eyes to this incredible new world of culture, of production, of um, tradition and history that is absolutely amazing, and it's so much fun to now bring Eastern influence onto Western cuisine, and that is exactly what they've allowed me to do at Cranes. That sounded a- so smart. I don't even know what he said, okay, but it so sounded now, well, really so good, Eric. Let's just talk. Can I'm you impressed. give us sort of like a boilerplate on Cranes for the people? Because it did open literally like, I think, three weeks literally. before the pandemic. I was, it was in a, maybe there. a week, yeah. I was in there for dinner, and then I think the pandemic happened like a week yeah, Later. they they were not open for very long right? before that, before the uh, the initial quarantine hit and everyone exactly. had to shut down. Shut down. Um, so they actually managed to stay open by doing um, private events. They would go to people's houses. I think they were they were to, um, yeah, they were hustling. They were hustling. They were even um, burning hay on the street corner to toast the Iberico. Uh, yeah, and that it wasn't can you hay. explain the concept of the restaurant? Yes, absolutely. Great. So we are a fusion of. Um, Spanish and Japanese cuisine. Mm-hmm. And it has really two things in common. Uh, among them is fault lines, but also you have um, small plates. Mm. So now we have both um, a huge you know, Mediterranean influence, but also all of that seafood. And this uh, is Chef Pepe. This is Pepe Moncayo. Moncayo. Yep. And it and is he's... his first restaurant in the U.S. Right, because his big restaurant, which is Bam. 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 Yep, Bam. Bam. Uh, in Bam. Singapore, right? Singapore, and they opened in 2013. Amazing. Yeah. Very cool. All right, what'd you pour for us first? So actually, that is a perfect segue into this wonderful sake. This is the Katsuyama Ken. And mm-hmm. this is actually the sake that converted Pepe to a, um, to, like I said earlier, that um, that Eastern influence on Western cuisine. He'd always thought, oh, I have Spanish food. I must pair it with a Rioja. Right. Um, and... So he went to Katsuyama, mm-hmm. which is located in um, the Miyagi Prefecture in the um, Tohoku region. And they are actually kind of a, an old Japanese temple in the middle of the city. And then in, in the center, they actually have a pizza parlor. <laughs> so it's two things. It is Japanese temple that and pizza so parlor. I know. <laughs> Very much so. And um, so they were serving, and that kind of opened up his eyes to this whole experience of pairing everything. All right, great. So We're going to get what into we have, this. The wonderful Katsuyama Ken. Um, this is a sake that won the best sake in the world in 2019 and was uh, traditionally and historically produced for feudal lords. The uh, Katsuyama goes back to 1688. Excellent. Um, but we have wonderful gentle fruit on this wonderful sake mm-hmm. and it builds on the palate. Uh, there's a really nice woody undercurrent All as right, well. Eric, I got to cut you off. Of course. All All right. Right. But feudal lords. Yeah, I think you, you can act like you that. You mentioned my radio career was sort of feudal. Okay. Oh, it's futile. That's what All right. you said. All Tell right. me, please. Now we want to welcome back to the show Raleigh Wieson, who is uh, co-founder and executive director of the Jacques Pepin Foundation. He joins us again, and we, he was a guest on the show a couple years ago, two years yep, back. two years ago. Uh, because the foundation has this really cool new online course that uh, takes you inside, really, inside Chef Jacques' 
culinary creativity inside his brain, his mind, mm-hmm. and uh, gives you some of the secrets to his um, all of his great dishes. So, Raleigh, first of all, welcome back to the show. Great to have you back. Um, to give us a little background well, on great. you. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, give us a tiny Thank bit so of background. Thank you so much. Back- it's great to be with you guys again. We're glad to have you. Um, we got a little delay on the phone here. Uh, a little background on you and how you intersect with uh, Chef Jacques. Sure. Well, um, thank you so much for having me again. I, um, I guess first and foremost, my intersection is that I am Jacques' son-in-law, so I'm married to Claudine. Good intersection. And, it's always uh, good I, to marry into the family. <laughs> exactly. And I think actually when I was on your show before, it was probably when uh, Jacques put out a book called Grandfather's Lessons, where yep. he was working with my daughter uh, to produce a cookbook and a little video series. And, and that was pretty fun and, and pretty exciting for everybody. And, you know, of course, now my, my daughter, who was 12 at that time, is uh, anxiously standing by the mailbox waiting for her uh, college acceptance letters to come in <laughs> and getting ready to go off to college. Time flies. So, time flies. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, but you, you sent one off to college earlier this year, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Our last one. Five. We've done five. Wow. That's Amazing. why that's why if you could see us we're both wearing barrels. Because... <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, so let's well, talk so, uh, about the so foundation course, yeah. and what you guys are doing because you know during the pandemic you guys made some real shifts to and found like sure. real ways to communicate with people. Sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the, the pandemic was such a difficult time for so many people. And, you know, we, we are in love with the hospitality industry. And we were just heartbroken, as, as everybody was, to see how many restaurants closed and closed permanently and how many people were out of work. And, I mean, it was just such a heartbreaking time for everybody in the hospitality industry. It was also a very difficult time for everybody that's in the nonprofit world. Mm. Our, our business model for, the, for our nonprofit had been based on, uh, you know, generating revenue and donations through in-person events. And, and we've thrown some really great in-person events with, you know, celebrity chefs coming to join us. And, and it's just been terrific. And, and that's the way that we have raised money to support the foundation. And then whoop, all of a sudden the pandemic came, no in-person events, cancel all those. I think I planned and canceled eight events in the last 18 months. So it, it's, it's been really crazy. But so so we had to figure out how to how to retool. And, you know, the first thing that we had to consider was this uh, sort of existential thought of, you know, what we do is we support culinary education for people to get jobs and, of course, increase their health outcomes and also give people a sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. And so when the restaurant industry was shutting down, we had to really think, like, you know, are we in the right business? Is this what we should be doing? And we totally doubled down on our mission, which was culinary education improves people's lives. It makes them feel better about themselves. It helps them feed their families and eventually helps them get jobs. And so Raleigh, if Raleigh, we I'm doing. so sorry, Raleigh, if I could just, I want to put a pin in that for just a second because we have sure. to take a break. But I, when we come back, sure. I want to continue this conversation because what I think is so interesting is that you did double down on the training that is necessary in the culinary world because that's careers. And as you and I both know, and everybody right. in the studio knows, everybody in the restaurant industry nationally and internationally is looking for people to work both front of the house and exactly. back of the house. So we're on the same page here. Just, exactly. um, this is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to Raleigh Wieson, uh, from the executive director of the Jacques Pepin Foundation. Raleigh, let's stay with that 
line of conversation you and Nikki had started because I think it's true. I mean, there's so many stories about people who are kids and adults who are depressed because of the, you know, the lockdown and staying right. at home. And cooking is really, you know, it's a creative outlet and it's, and you get to, you know, the eat the result of your creativity, which is fun, unless you're me who can't cook. Yeah. But, you know, and so uh, talk <laughs> well, about that well, a little. Hopefully, hopefully you're. Hopefully you're surrounded by great cooks because every every uh, great cook needs great eaters. So I live with as long one. as you're appreciative, you'll you'll win. <laughs> um, yeah. So when the so this was funny actually. With it, so when the pandemic started and we all went into sort of lockdown mode, uh, Jacques and Claudine. They well, for, Claudine asked, and then Jacques had it in his mind. He's like, oh well, maybe since I'm stuck at home, I'll I'll do a couple of videos for Facebook and you know see if if uh, you know people in, enjoy that. And so he started shooting some videos in his home kitchen and that just became the perfect thing at the perfect time. People were so appreciative of Jacques in a casual atmosphere, cooking at home for one or two people, using things out of his fridge. And uh, it just, it was just amazing how popular that was and, and the great response we got. And, and we put our whole uh, video production team behind that to create a video series, which we call Jacques Pepin Cooking at Home, which actually we just won an, an IACP award for that series just uh, in, in October. So we're super proud of it. Oh, congratulations. Glad to have that it was congratulations. That's exciting. By the IACP. Yeah. And, and you know, because Jacques is Jacques, 250 videos later, mm. after he was like, oh, we'll shoot, we'll shoot a couple of videos for Facebook. Um, we have this this whole series, and 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 the the concept really inspired us in a couple of different ways. One was we thought, you know, this is a great tool to teach people in another way how to cook. So we decided to partner with an organization called Ruby, and that's R O U X B E. Rue like you know, flour and butter. Thank God you pronounced that for us. I was looking at that going, forget it. It's not gonna I happen. know what it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so so. So Ruby is an online culinary education platform, and they reached out to us and said, oh, we would love to do a Jacques uh, course. And we said, oh, sure, you know, we've got some content that we could put together. And, of course, uh, in addition to Jacques' amazing videos, my background is also in culinary education. I teach at Johnson & Wales University here in Providence, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I've been doing that for 12 years and, you know, 20 years in industry before that. So. Uh, what we did for this course that we put onto the Ruby platform was uh, to take all, some of these videos that Jacques had had produced during the pandemic and curate them into a sequenced learning strategy, and then put the weight of sort of or the, the the emphasis of culinary education behind it. So the course is really Jacques Pepin's cooking explained in a way that it's never been explained before. So we have. Jacques doing his thing, and then we have a narrative which helps you understand from a culinary education, from a food science point of view, really what's happening in the pan and why it works. And then you can take those skills and transfer them to other things. So it's really, it's a super engaging course. It's really fun. You get to see a whole bunch of videos you've never seen before. You get to hear Jacques explained in, in ways that he was never explained before. If you want to go the whole way, you can take some little quizzes and, and get a certificate for yourself at the end of the course, which is actually uh, delivers uh, one and a half hours of college credit at some community colleges around really? the country. Really? That's so great. It's pretty, it's, yeah, it's a pretty exciting thing. I kind of love this as a gift for the holidays, like, you know, for the person in your oh. life who loves to cook, um, you know, it, being an at-home cook, an amateur cook, doesn't mean 
that you're going to, and if you take classes, doesn't mean that you can just go cook in a restaurant. But I, I love the idea of sort of refining the work that you do well, can at we, home. Uh, will the, the link be on the list? Yeah, the link is already on the list. All right, good. Because trying to explain how to spell Ruby. Absolutely. I mean, we really feel like it's a great gift too. And, you know, for people who are like, you know, making those new year's resolutions of like, Oh, I'm going to learn how to cook better in 2022. Mm. This is the thing for you because you, you know, you get the pleasure of just like watching Jacques do his thing, but then you also get it explained so you, you can learn how to, to follow along better and, and hopefully improve your own cooking skills. Uh, Raleigh, I, I don't want to let you go without talking about the, uh, the cook with Jacques and friends volume three, which came out. And um, I mean, very yeah. briefly, it's a video recipe book with some really so all-star cool. with chefs and bartenders with some really all-star talent on there. Absolutely, yeah. I, this, so this was another sort of spinoff from uh, what happened in the pandemic, but also, you know, again, we were inspired by what Jacques was doing, and we also saw that you know all of our celebrity fresh celebrity chef friends, whether it was Ming Tsai or Jose Andreas or Andrew Zimmern or Rachel Ray, they were all doing the same thing. They were making these little videos at home. And we said, well, how could we, how could we use this to help the foundation? Because these are all people that wanted to support the foundation. So we started reaching out to folks and said, hey, would you make a video recipe for us that would be in support of the foundation? And of course, because it's Jacques, everybody said yes. I mean, we, it's, it's a total who's who from Jose Andreas to Andrew Zimmern. I mean, there's Rachel Ray in there and Joanne Chang. Okay, I feel and like Alice you're just Waters like um, name dropping here, Raleigh. That's right. It's like the all star game, right? You know what? I, I really am. And you really have to check out the list. Okay, so Raleigh, amazing. here's what I need you to do. Can you tell us, please, where we can find information on both of these things sure. so that we can make sure our audience knows? And we thank you so much for joining us today. And I I do want to tell you before uh, you give us that info that when I did interview your father-in-law recently, he had Mm -hmm. such praise for you. I hope he gives that to you in person, but he certainly did in that interview. He really just, um, he just has such lovely things to say about you, which I think is always nice to know that your father-in-law is talking about you in that way. All right. Well, wait, before you give us that information, I got one question for you. Okay, hurry. He's your father-in-law. Has he ever cooked anything for you that you didn't like and did you have the guts (laughs) to tell him? Uh, well, I don't have the guts to tell you the truth about that. So we'll, we'll just leave it at that. Okay, all right, give us the website, please. <laughs> all right, so you, so you can find out all about this. You can go to our website, which is simply www.jp.foundation. And when you go there, first, there's a whole bunch of free videos there, but you can also sign up to become a member of the JPF, which is how you get access to our video recipe book, mm-hmm. which now has 150 recipes from chefs from all over the country. And also you can find out about the Ruby course and our collaboration with that great online culinary offering. And we hope you sign up, give it as a gift, become a member, stay with us. And we hope you see, we hope to see you at an event. Excellent. Thank Thank you you. so much. Good to talk again. Okay. Eric, more sake. Back to cranes. Back to cranes. Sake to us. So when you were getting into sake, was there already a sake program at cranes or were you creating it? So there actually was already a sake program at Cranes. It was both a combination of wine and sake, Mm -hmm. um, and they kind of just threw it at me because they knew I could learn a script pretty fast. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that was was, uh, a a sort of a new addition. And uh, up next, we actually have another fabulous sake. Okay, let's hear about it. We all ready? Yeah, what is it? Perfect. So this is the Kare Suru Crane. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is a really, really uh, elegant little um, Junmai Daiginjo 
and that is uh, out of um, Honten, and they are in Shogoku. Uh, Shogoku, pardon me. Okay. Um, we wouldn't know if you messed that right. up anyway. So exactly. What is it about <laughs> this sake? Now, what is it about this sake that you like so much? So suru means crane, and um, kari means elegant aroma. So smelly crane. Okay. But what we have that's here is a sake. Now that sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, let me go ahead and roll. I'll put it in your glasses in just a moment okay. because it is absolutely wonderful. You have lots of aromatics, and what I love about this one is every bottle that is sold actually goes to conserving um, the environment and um, the uh, hooded crane in Japan. Love it. Okay, so while you're pouring that, uh, we're going to get to our next guest, who so I know is really excited to come on air and come talk on. with us today. Thank uh, you. Tusa Ardalan is a, is a media uh, veteran, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is her first For radio sure. show. She's a managing partner at Noosh Restaurant, which is one of only three Persian, Persian restaurants restaurant. in D.C. We have to ask ourselves why, because we love Persian food. Well, not only but that, there's a tremendous head. Persian community. Yeah. Oh, we have so many Persian friends. Mm -hmm. So there is a tremendous Persian community, and Persian food is so delicious. Glad to hear that. But for so long, you could really only have a Persian feast if you were lucky enough to have friends who hailed from Iran. So tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how Noosh came to be. Uh, Noosh came to be when we were in this business, in the restaurant business, my mm -hmm. husband and I and our partner, Tarek and Christina, mm -hmm. uh, for 14, 15 years, actually. Mm -hmm. in It was called Kasba Cafe in, at Wisconsin Avenue. It was mm -hmm. a Mediterranean restaurant. Mm -hmm. And right before the pandemic, we decided we were thinking about adding the Persian cuisine to our Mediterranean did people Listen. ask you for it? I mean... It was the need that we actually felt like, you know, people in this area, the, the more Persian restaurant because of the big you know, mm -hmm. population of Iranian, the more the better. It was is plenty more in Northern Virginia, but in D.C. area... There's a lot in Potomac, the, too. Yeah, I Potomac mean, Bethesda. So right before pandemic, we the were Persians thinking about Potomac, it. Persians of Potomac. It's my new show. Right. Of Seriously. <laughs> so we decided to add the Persian cuisine to our mm -hmm. Mediterranean and Tariq was very excited and then the pandemic happened so that you know put a halt on it mm -hmm. well but I, you know we were talking about this before the show there's nothing to be nervous about we <laughs> love okay, you come you're on. great just ask her her question the difference between people tend to sort of meld in their brains Mediterranean and Persian and you know that's I don't close. know anybody who does that's, that but I do you. and in fact your materials mentioned kind of that there's the this sort of this they're almost like cousins in a way because a lot of the certainly the fresh vegetables it's really just the um uh you know kind of the main course that's different but talk about that because you have sort of a mediterranean feel to some of what you offer too the persian cuisine yeah. is a lot of rice a lot of uh, hmm. nuts and fruits and zafran and spices and it's very similar to mediterranean in a way that's why it was easy that yeah. was it was easy for our chef to actually you know upon and try to learn and that's what we did a cousin mm -hmm. of mine from california came and they started to cook for hours and hours and learn how to do the persian cuisine mm -hmm. and that was back in 2021 early 2021 and we went through an extensive renovation in our restaurant so that gave us a lot of time to work on so when you talked with your chef yes and your cousin and you thought about the kind of dishes maybe you serve at your table at home or for exactly. your holidays or, you know, when you're having a big affair at your house. Uh, what were the dishes that you were like, 
this is what we must have on exactly. the menu. So let's talk about what those dishes are. And where's a fork? Okay, <laughs> there is wait. the fork. My God. <laughs> Look at it. It's beautiful. Go ahead. Uh, the Persian food, I mean, the main dish is always rice. Mm -hmm. Basmati rice with saffron. And then we have selection of khoresht, which is a stew-like that comes with the white rice. Gourmet mm -hmm. sabzi is the vegetable stew. Mm -hmm. And we have the fesinjun, which is a very traditional khoresht, which is pomegranate and walnuts mm -hmm. and chicken. And these are the dishes that I grew up. I mean, I've ne never been a chef. I never cooked, but I cooked in my house. And right. my mother, you know, cooking and watching her all mm -hmm. these years. So I know the foundation of Iranian food. And when we sat down and we talked about what to pick, it was three, four different variety of khoresht, which is, as I said, the stew right. type with the rice and then kebab, obviously, kubide. Okay, I'm going to ask you to hold for a second. We have to take a break. But when we come back, I want to talk about kebabs. Because I think for Americans, there's a false assumption, assumption about kebabs, you know, like what they think they are and how 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 you'll be serving them. So this is David and Nikki Nels. It's Foodie and the Beast. There is more Persian cuisine finally in the D.C. area. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis, and we are talking to the lovely Atusa Ardalan, who is the managing partner at Noosh Restaurant, a brand-new Persian restaurant in D.C., and that ain't bad because there are very few of them. And we were talking about kebabs. When I was growing up, my dad, you know, he called them shish kebabs. I don't right. know why. I don't know what that is uh, on the grill. Are there lots of different kinds of, you know, profiles of kebabs and by basically profiled by culture? Uh, there is a lot of different variety of kebab. The shish kebab and chinja kebab is chunks of, you know, mm -hmm. red meats. But kubide, it's ground beef with onions and spices and put it on a skewer, and you grill it. Beef or lamb? Beef. Beef. Some people do beef and lamb, and mm -hmm. we do beef only. And that is the most traditional Iranian kebab. So, in so it's the kubideh. Iran, is it more traditional to use beef or? Beef and lamb. And lamb. So and it's, lamb, both yes. it's Iran, both in Iran, right? Iran, okay. And go, comes with white rice and mm -hmm. tomatoes, grilled tomatoes, and mm -hmm. onion on the side, uh, raw onion. Mm -hmm. Butter always on the side, and sumac which is the spice. The spice. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about... So low carb. <laughs> well, you don't have to eat the rice. Uh, but why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? But what yeah. about like tadig? The, the, the tadig. That's my favorite The crust, thing. yes. Yeah. The crispy rice. The, rice? Yeah. Like the crispy rice. What's when the history of that? Or like you just make that in your house? It's just, yes. When you make the white rice, you know, the crispy rice comes with it. It's mm -hmm. just how you steam underneath. the rice is underneath, underneath the, you know, at but the bottom of it, the pot. Is it, um, uh, colored with saffron because sometimes it's yellow, right? Sometimes it's yellow. Yes, you can, but you don't put a lot of saffron on the bottom of the pot. It's so Once good. you pour it over, usually it gets to the bottom of the pot, okay. and the color of the tadik can change. But obviously, there's a, some people can do with the saffron. Mm -hmm. It's just the rice that you put on the bottom with some oil and water. And when the rice is steaming, the crispy rice become you know oh, harder so and become oh thicker. I think of it as like Persian matzah. That's what it's like. Oh matzah. God. Everybody. Yeah, it's crispy. I mean, if you're yeah. No. That's what. No, it doesn't taste like. I just wanted like to alert our listeners. Nikki doesn't know anything. Yeah. All right. Um, so as you guys were developing the menu, um, were there things that your cousin was like, "This has to be on the menu," where you were like, mm, "I don't know about that." Yeah, she gave us, you know. Big menu, and she worked with Tarek about with a lot of uh, items on the menu. But since we have a hard time finding, you know, 
ingredients ingredients right? and staffing obviously sure. we had to cut down on to our menu to mm-hmm. smaller items than what the menu, were some the Persian. of the ingredients that you had difficulty finding i'm just sort of curious and to be honest with you i mean good rice I mean, and we do our shopping ourselves. Sure. So we go shopping every other day. So mm-hmm. we have to go, my husband and the other employee, they go together to this place, that place. Are you buying from for, distributors or say, buying from retailers? And, uh, I mean, distributors. I mean, distributors, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, okay. And then when it comes to the desserts that you're putting on the menu, so I'm familiar with the dates with the pistachio, which dates are like and my pistachio, favorite. That's a creation of Tarek. I mean, it's cardamom. Dates, pistachio, mm-hmm. and almonds. But I'm not familiar with these. So tell Those us are bamiye, zulbiya bamiye. Mm-hmm. And what are they? Tell us. You don't know? Yes, I do. It's just, uh, well, it's very sweet. It's the glaze over the flour that uh-huh. they dip it in a fry, fryer. So it's like a, a fry dough. Fry dough, actually. Okay. And then with some cardamom and some rose water. Mm, beautiful. And this too, fried dough? Same thing. Yes, so same delicate. thing. So delicate. It's unbelievable. Thing, yeah. And candied. Both of them are kind of candied. Candied. Okay. Very so, sweet. Now and when goes you, with the Persian tea. Of course. The best that goes I with the Persian, Persian tea. I love Persian tea. Yes. Now, when you guys renovated the restaurant, um, how did you decide what you wanted to do, how you wanted the look to be? Uh, were there things that you... Did you want it to have a specific Persian feel or you just wanted a modern feel? What did you guys decide? It's a very comfortable modern feel. There is no Persian. I mean, we decided for our food to represent the Persian mm-hmm. restaurant feel. Uh, it's very comfortable. The coloring is gray and light yellow. The music, everything is very comfortable and airy and spacey. Mm-hmm. People com- compliment us about how the coloring is, comfortable to their eye. When you come in, you don't... Is a Persian restaurant, is you can call it the Persian, Mediterranean, American. You just call it a restaurant. It's a restaurant. Right. So we try to represent our food, mm-hmm. Persian food or the Mediterranean food to represent us as a good Persian restaurant. Now let me ask you one more question. So for people who may not be completely familiar with the offerings, because you know, they maybe they know some of the rice or they know the kebabs, but they don't know about the stews. How do you go about um, educating a new client? Uh, walking them through the cuisine. Persian food has a lot of spices, and it comes. I mean, the zaffron. Right. I mean, but it's, it's not one spicy. No, it's not spicy. We do a lot of flavor spicy. for the mm-hmm. spices. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yes, correct. And khorisht is a very popular thing with American. They love the because it's a stew-like right. and the pomegranate. The sweet and sour, actually, the fesenjun that I brought today. The sweet and sour is a very popular taste for American that they love. We have a noosh polo, which is a combination of berries and nuts, mm. and that's very popular. They love that sweet and sour again. So I tend to un- realize that a lot of sweet and sour is a popular popular dishes for American that they don't know Persian food. The tadig, the rice, so we introduce them to the khoresht a lot. Kubide and the kebab, they had different way of, you know, the Turkish way and the other way of, you know, eating kebab. But the right. khoresht is the one that we actually introduced to American, and they love it. American, that yeah. sounds like a name for a TV show, Hubidei and the Kebab. <laughs> what about <laughs> when, when people sit down to eat, they've got to have a beverage. So right. do you have a full line of cocktails? Full do line you do of cocktails wines? and wines, What's correct. the best, I mean, generally, would you pair, are there Persian wines? Would we pair sake with this? I'm just sort of curious. Oh, look, well, Red wine. The sake show is over there <laughs> saying yes. 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 I don't yes. mean spit Absolutely. around here. No, what do you, what do you tell people? 
Wine, red wine, wine yes. Like red wine with Kubide. French? Shiraz. You know, Shiraz? Shiraz. Okay. Shiraz is what we sell the most. Got it. With our Kubide. And we have, uh, I mean, there are Persian beer that we're trying to get a hold of. Mm. A lady in New York that they love them. It's the Persian well, beer. It's hard that to get anything now, be, you know, the supply, supply chain is, is supply chain. Choice, Are there wines broken. That, from Iran? Not, I mean, not, not that are not here, right no, now, but I mean, no. like, I know, like, right now, like, there's wines coming from the Middle East that were not here yeah. before. Not from Iran, but not from it's Iran. Not, yeah, it's yeah, it's a whole thing. Forbidden they don't drink wine. The government. No, right. I mean, right. they don't, but they, but they do. do right? Right. They don't, but they do, yes, <laughs> unfortunately. Do. Right. I was just they sort can. of curious. Okay. Very interesting. All right. Well, I thank Let's you do the so address. much. Let's just tell yeah. everybody you're on Wisconsin Avenue on the 1700 block. What's the nearest landmark? Landmark. Uh, we are near the Safeway, close okay, to Safeway, right. and we are on Instagram, mm -hmm. Nush Georgetown, Nush Georgetown, at Nush Georgetown, yes. Okay. And then we also have the 280 Cafe, Cafe Eatery, actually, yeah. that okay. is next door on 1721 Wisconsin Avenue, and our website, 280eatery.com, and Nush georgetown.com. Excellent. Well, thank you for coming in today. Thank, thank you very you for much for having me. My first time, I'm sorry. No, I was say, first time on the radio, you were great. What are you talking about? It. Listen, you can hear the cheering. Your help. Listen Yay! to the audience. Yes, yes, yes sure. Yes, yes. Right. Thank you. Thank Adam you for your help. Adam is cheering. He's okay. out there. Okay. All right, so Eric, we're back to you. Let's talk about uh, when people come in, sort of like what we were just talking about with Noosh, like when people come into Crane's I mean, the mix of the two cuisines is interesting for people. The space is really spectacular. You know, it's very mod. Um, so how do you help people with sake? Because the while the D.C. area has a very educated client, not everybody goes for the sake. So how do you help people with it? That's absolutely true. And honestly, the way I help people with it is I like to tell my own story with it. Mm -hmm. um, before Cranes, I honestly went from sake bombs in college mm -hmm. to all of a sudden have an, inc an extensive sake list. I'm surprised you got through sake? college. Yeah. <laughs> I went to art school, so yeah. don't worry, yeah. it was mostly yeah. coloring. Now, but a great way that I've found is we, we do have a 10-course omakase menu, which is really phenomenal dining experience. Reserve a couple hours for it, but that's where I've started to work in a lot of sakes, and I've found that people's reactions to it are absolutely astounding. Because what do you think people think of sake? Do you think they think it's sweet? Do you think, what if bitter. they think? They think it, you know, it might be bitter. It might yeah. be, ga what did you say earlier, gasoline? We, they also the think of like, you know, kerosene. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, you know, if you're just, but I mean, it doesn't seem to me that? to be something you just sit around and drink. You get you drink it as a, Paired with food, something like I that. I totally you, disagree. Oh, We're I, th I, I disagree right too. I think I, I could sit around dur drinking this all day. Why don't the two of you just move in together? And be <laughs> well, maybe we will. Let's go, Jonathan. <laughs> We're out of here. All right, what are you pouring next? All right, so next up, I have the Shichi Hanyari, and this is a wonderful little Junmai that hails to us from uh, the Shiga Prefecture and the third oldest brewery in Japan, Tomita. And they've been around since the 1540s. Excellent. All right, while you pour that, we'll go to our next guest. Okay, our next guest is an interesting guy named Lawrence Cisneros, and he's a co-founder of something called Drinksmith. And I would not advise drinking before you try and spell their name because it's D-R-N-X-M-Y-T-H. Lawrence, how are you, man? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So so let's start um, a little bit about your background. You guys are out in L.A., um, you're, uh, are you a huge cocktail guy? Like, why are you making uh, cocktails? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I love cocktails. And, you know, we started the project maybe seven, eight years ago. And I was more of a beer guy. I grew up in San Diego. It was a kind of craft beer boom and uh, didn't mm-hmm. really know about cocktails until coming up here in L.A. And it was just like, wow, I didn't realize, like, cocktails could be this amazing, you know, not just a rum and coke and a whole new kind of world of mixology opened up and really got me interested in it. But why? So can we explain the concept of your business and what you're doing? Yes. So about the same time, seven, eight years ago, I started kind of trying these cocktails, with my business partner, Brandon Schwartz. And, you know, it was something where we were both working. I was in school, actually, at law school, and he was working. And um, we love cocktails, but we couldn't get any at the store. And so everything at the store was pasteurized and totally different from what you get at the bar. And so we came up with this concept called Drinksmith, which is the world's first fresh bottled cocktail. And it's a proprietary packaging that we invented that separates spirits from fresh ingredients. So it's pre-bottled, the unmixed inside the bottle, twist it, shake it, and now you have a fresh and mixed cocktail in a bottle. So, so what was it that was missing in the in the mixes that were out there that you were like, this is terrible. We got to fix this. Like, what what were you tasting? Was it sugar? <laughs> was it was it like chemical? Like, what what were you guys experiencing that you were like, we have got to change this? The the primary thing was at the store. Everything is heat pasteurized, preservatives, everything to make it last on a unrefrigerated store shelf for months if not years mm-hmm. whereas in the high-end kind of cocktail bar world all the juices are unpasteurized well, they're fra- i mean but, i mean especially during the cocktail fresh. boom right like with what's happening now you know not just locally but nationally and internationally i mean everybody's making their own syrups they're making their own bitters they're making their own juices so how can you how can you incorporate that into something in a bottle Exactly. So we wanted to take what people are doing around the world, top hotels and bars mm-hmm. with fresh juices and put it in a bottle so it, you can have that same experience and not have to necessarily go to one of those amazing locations. But not everyone has the opportunity. Sometimes you just don't want to go out or you want to go to the park or the beach and have that same quality. And so we bottled that essentially that experience as much as possible. Cool. All right. We have to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about the kind of things we can find in your bottles and uh, sort of the mixologists that you've been working with and how they created their concepts for you. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. I mean, people are going to town on the food from Noosh in studio and almost all the sake is gone. But um, we'll be back in just a sec. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis and we're talking to Lawrence Cisneros, who is the co-founder of Drinksmith. And Lawrence, I have to ask this question. You're in the middle of law school. Uh, Did you graduate and then go into this business or did you Cut short your 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 uh, that's law the studies. dad in him. The dad in him. Well, is I just like, want to know if I your mean, parents did I send you to law school parents, or like what'd you do? Yeah, if your parents <laughs> dropped their jaws on a couple of bricks <laughs> when you said, "Yeah, I'm not going to be a lawyer. I'm going to make cocktails, mom." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there was definitely a lot of uh, explaining to do for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, I graduated from law school, passed the bar, and you know the way it kind of panned out, we got our first angel. Uh, investment about you know the day of my my bar exam right after law school and so got the money and then boom right. off to the races. So now you're saying you you pass the bar and now you can't pass the bar. Is that <laughs> right. How it is? It's a, a bar thing. Yeah. So now so okay so you decide you decided how to make this you get investment for it which is insane. Um, so 
how did you decide to work with the experts out there and what are the kind of products that are available to the market right now? Yeah, so a few years ago, about halfway through the process, we realized that we don't really know how to make cocktails and that's why you know we wanted to make this and have these drinks that are expertly made. So we went out and found um, all the top experts um, who know how to make drinks and people not you know experts, but also content creators on Instagram. And so we partner with them on every single one of our drinks on the panel of the left-hand side of the bottle. There's an illustration of the bartender with their Instagram handle, their name, where they're located. And um, you can kind of, I, so I work with them on all the recipes. We do R and D at their bar. And so the same ingredients that, you know, are at their bar, we put in the bottle. There's no kind of weird flavorings or weird extracts. What's in the bar is in the bottle. Mm -hmm. And so we have a huge range of different drinks we've started, you know, the past two years. Some more, you know, simple cocktails, just like a margarita, uh, but also some more exotic ones like, um, what is it, like a Philadelphia Fish House Punch recipe where we're doing, you know, sherbets with, you know, brandy and dark rum. And, you know, so but somebody has to. And, so know. like with that, with the punch, somebody has to sort of mix that at home. Right. Like how do how do I execute that in my house? I can't just take that to the beach. Well, first of all, it's freezing here. There is no beach. But uh, how do I do that? Like, how would you recreate that that drink? Yes. So like if I buy your bottle, how do I make it at home? Uh -huh. Do I just shake it and pour? Oh, yeah. So there's uh, on the on the other side hand side of the bottle there's instructions so basically the bottom half of the bottle rotates 180 degrees and then it opens a valve on the inside of the bottle uh -huh. and now Brilliant. the two the upper and lower chamber are mixable and so you shake it up just like a bartender would and then you pour it over ice and it tastes as if a high-end bartender made it right for you God, you know that, what? You would have been so cool. you would have been wasted in the law. This is brilliant. It's you know, um, have you ever had those Japanese sodas, you know, where they uh -huh. push the ball down? It sounds a little uh -huh. bit like that. Was that inspiration? Uh that was not inspiration. It was more of like uh, hey, we were doing experiments. We're putting the juice and the alcohol together, seeing what happens over a period of time, and it doesn't have that same crispness. It kind of has a little bit of it's dull. It degrades. I mean, the product degrades, right? Like when it when you bottle it as one, it degrades, and that's why you you're doing it this way, correct? Exactly, exactly. And then on top of it, I mean, it creates this kind of ritual. It's this kind of fun, you know, DIY kind of dimension where it's like kind of like a a prep salad where you add the dressing at the very end. You had the dressing there the whole time. It starts to get soggy, and you're kind of participating in the process of bartending without any of the work. Right. Have That's you worked amazing. with any bartenders in the D.C. area? No. I don't think in the D.C. area. Mm. Uh, most are in New York, Miami. Most are uh, L.A. I mean, that's, uh, can I just say, wait, without wait, 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 criticizing wait, wait. No, no, you, no, I'm, that I'm, is such an L.A. mindset. Like, seriously, I'm feeling dissed for, for sure. D.C. Um, so now, where do we find this product? I mean, where do we, where do we go to get Drinksmith products? Yeah, so we, although we launched about two years ago, we launched two months before the pandemic. And so we have this whole um, national distributor retailer kind of network. So, mm -hmm. and uh, different retailers throughout the country ship it to your home. So you basically go to drinksmith.com. And from there, depending on where you live, a local retailer will get it to your house, whether shipping it or local delivery. You know, we're starting to do some more 
brick and mortar, you know, in-store distribution in the Southern California area. All right. Will you give us your Instagram account, please? Uh, Yeah. Mm D-R-N-X, Myth, M-Y-T-H. You know, we're on there. I'm on the other side of the DM and we got a whole team, you know, all over the country working on this and, uh, you know, excited to hopefully get into the D.C. area soon. Excellent. Well, when you do, give us a call. We'd love to like feature it again. Um, it was great having you, and thank you so much for your time today. That's American ingenuity. If you can now solve uh, uh, the climate crisis, right. it would be real service to the public. Well, he's already got investments. We'll drink so. while we solve the climate crisis. Okay. <laughs> we are back to you and Cranes. Um, so you've been pouring some beautiful sakes here today. It's really been terrific. Um, we, we've talked about the omakase menu, but what I'm really, what I find fascinating about the concept is that, first of all, you're open for lunch. Which yes, we I are. I have to say, um, not a lot of people are. We it's no, very brave, especially yeah, very very brave. Well, we have a um, a wonderful Japanese travel tradition, the bento box, right? Um, and that is kind of like honestly, I think it is going to be the ultimate lunch if you're working anywhere near Penn Quarter. I was um, there for lunch last yeah, Friday. And, it and was it's lovely. fabulous. It's a, it's a wonderful little wooden box, six little slots in. and alls and six little different courses for you. Mm-hmm. So it's very contained, but it is a very hearty meal and it's a super, super affordable price, um, especially given what you get for, you know, um, a mere $38. That is absolutely fantastic. So yeah, we are open for lunch and we're really hoping that we see the business expand as people start coming back to the office. Right, exactly. And then what about, um, so as uh, it turns from lunch to dinner, I mean, I feel like sake can be a level a lovely companion for lunch because it's not necessarily as high in alcohol. Not necessarily. Right. Sometimes there's, a, <laughs> there's Sometimes the odd occasion be, where it can right? be much higher in alcohol, and I've right. uh, I've brought you a present as a bottle, and I'll leave it with you guys to okay. determine what to do with. <laughs> but I'll um, put it in the tank of my car. But yeah, yeah no, no. Yeah. Usually, it is. I find it is a little bit more, more approachable. Um, my husband argues that it is a cleaner hangover as well. Oh, well there we go. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no. There's a. Uh, I, I think it is a lot more uh, approachable. And, you know, the benefit of sake, there is no red wine staining. So, yeah, well, that's true. You know, you right. can go about your, your day, your business, clean. and there's no te- teeth staining whatsoever. So, all right, um, let's talk about the last one you're pouring today. Who would have today. thought of that? That's... People and, who drink red wine and have stains on their teeth. That's who yes. thinks of that. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I did not. Are we pouring one more wine or are we good? Yes, we are. All right, what are we pouring? Tell us so, about it. last one I've got is the Kamozumi Summer Snow. And this is a nigori, and it's nigori a bit more on the tropical side of so life. So it looks like it's, is it the bottle? or So it's cloudy. No, 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 yeah, that's the cloudy. actual, that's the sake itself. This really? is an and unfiltered, is it's unfiltered, unpasteurized mm-hmm. sake. So, okay. and this is, uh, you kind of almost have to think of it like the lees on a wine. Um, all that dead yeast, once it's spent, there's a little bit of, left, uh, of that left in there. But also remember, we're polishing rice. So there's a little bit of that rice left over as well, and it provides a really elegant silky texture interesting because i mean we don't like i think people want to compare sake to wine um and just because we drink it in a similar capacity its complexities are totally different right it is totally different and i think one of the uh one of my favorite things about pairing sakes is the changes of texture that Mm. can happen Quite frankly, with even with even in the same sake, mm-hmm. you can have, of course, different styles. But even in the uh, the same texture will uh, or the same um, sip of sake will change textures multiple times as it goes back across your right, palate. Right, because it blooms. This is a really interesting wine because it's um, it doesn't look like 
what it smells or it tastes looks like. It's nothing right? like Something it. mixed with coconut, but it's yeah, I always love to tell people it's yeah. that juxtaposition between scent and flavor that make a really, really great, um, great sake, great wine, great beer, great anything. So this one has a little sugar on the end. Mm-hmm. So would we put this more towards the end of the meal with dessert? So uh, I would agree. Maybe more towards the end of a meal. Okay. I like to do it with dessert, um, quite frankly. Uh, one of my favorite combinations is a little summer snow with black coffee ice cubes. Oh. And that... Mm is a Ooh. wonderful combination. That is oh how you get through goodness. the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen. I think you all have your Christmas dinner dessert lined up. That sounds that good. That really good. I, I have two things to say. Okay, you better say that. Number one, there I am sitting in my home office with the same ripped T-shirt and, and gym shorts I've had on since March of 2020, yes. while my same. wife is eating at Cranes a thousand times. I know. I I, I'm house. coming tonight. Okay. All right. And the other thing is this food from Noosh is awesome. Excellent. Everybody in the studio is eating it. Eric, tell Their everybody where you, we can find Cranes, please, and where we can find you, either online or on Instagram. So we are at the corner of 9th and H. We are on both Instagram, Facebook, and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, we are um, right there, uh, right across from um, Cuba Libre, um, sort of diagonal on the corner. Um, and I would encourage everyone. More um, like Zatina. I'm sorry? More like Zatina. Yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah, a yeah, little okay. bit, a little bit. And remember, cross with the light, otherwise you'll die on night. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you <Still> will. <laughs> all right, well, thank you so much. This was a, a terrific offering, and we want to thank all of our guests in studio today. Yay! It was so much fun. And, of course, those who called in today. There's so much happening in and around the D.C. area, and, of course, nationally. And we're so lucky that we get to just talk with all these people about all the fabulous things happening in the food, wine, and hospitality scene. Of course, everything you heard today you can find on the list or you You do want to follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S. Consider the list your headquarters for every holiday activation, Christmas, New Year's, Christmas Eve, Feast of Seven Fishes. And just daily, if you go to the calendar, there is so much happening. You really need to get in it so you don't miss it. So again, we want to thank our guests. We want to thank all the people who helped put this show together, especially our producer, Andy, Andy who had to work extra hard today. Um, And what I really do hope for you all out there is to remember there are staffing shortages. There are uh, supply shortages, uh, like our chandelier, which is never coming. And uh, you do need to wear a mask when asked. You do need to be vaccinated. You do need to get boosted. And you need to be kind out there. I got one more thing. Go to your go online and go to Luke's Wings, L-U-K-E-S Wings. That's an organization that raises money to help um, um, uh, sick or injured uh, veterans uh, who are stuck in the hospital can't get home for the holidays to bring their families to them. Okay, great. Great organization. There's so many great organizations out there. At this time of year, it's always important to give. So thank you all for joining us today and have a delicious week.